Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the MinMax Show podcast. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marchiafava. Hey. And Janet Garcia. What's up? And that's not it. We're also joined by Jeff Grubb from GamesBeat. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Are you feeling nervous about doing a bonus episode when there could still be more news today? <laughs> I am so nervous about it. So this is, <laughs> okay. Is, yeah. Today has been wild. It's stressful. We're, re we're recording this Thursday. There are rumblings that uh, the legendary Switch Pro, which I believe has been talked about since I was four years old, there's a mm -hmm. chance that could get revealed at any second. Shriers out there throwing out Hail Marys of maybe it's tonight. Who knows when that thing's <laughs> finally going to be revealed. Uh, you seem to be in the loop on everything, uh, Jeff Grubb. If you had to predict right now, and you'll look like a damn fool because it's already going to be out of the date by the time people listen to this, but yep. when do you think that Switch Pro is getting revealed? Yeah, no problem with looking like a fool. Let's yeah, let's say tonight. I'm gonna hop on that. You know, but I think a lot of people are doing some process of elimination work here, where uh, Nintendo of America is closed on Friday. Uh, it's Friday in Japan Ooh. right now. It's gonna be Friday morning soon. If they are gonna announce it before E3, they're probably gonna do it this week. When you're definitely out of the way of the stuff that's really gonna start happening next week that is associated with E3. Um, I, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think it could happen tonight. I, okay. I have no idea, but well, I'm ready sure. to look like a fool. That's fine. So yeah, Bloomberg and Eurogamer are reporting that the Switch Pro, the beefier version of the Switch, is going to be announced before E3 so that they can actually talk about these games and how they're taking advantage of it at E3 without having to be too cagey, which I guess makes sense. And ballparking a September or October release for this uh, slightly beefier Switch. But then there's also Far Cry 6. Uh, the gameplay reveal is happening on Friday. We'll have a reaction stream for that. And so there's plenty of stuff trickling up. But Jeff Grubb, I want to talk to you, man, and only you. No matter what, uh, Jeff, I'm and Janet, just, you cannot say a word. Just promise me your you solemn be, vow. Be quiet. I'd appreciate it. Um, but no, I want to talk about, you have a name, Mr. Jeff Grubb, that if you follow gaming on Twitter, has just been it's popping weird. up more and more. I'd say like the last two years has been the rise of the Grub. I don't know what's happening over there. I don't know who you got in your PR team. How would you explain <laughs> your introduction to the game's news beat here? Honestly, it's lucky marketing, honestly, like personal brand marketing. I just did summer game mess. People like that and uh, sort of like helped me push it out into the mainstream. So that like, yeah, if something's happening if I, or if I say something, it is the kind of thing that people will put on blogs. And I never intended that to be the way things were going to work out. Never, ever expected this is where I would be, where I would say something and suddenly it would be news. It, it's still a very strange thing, a very weird thing. But yeah, uh, it's a, a lot of it's just, you know, getting a couple of good uh, news stories, having a, a pretty decent track record. And then um, I think also kind of trying to make it fun. People want stuff that makes, like, it's gaming. People want to kind of have fun. Yeah, there's and that. I, I, I'm, like, very interested in maintaining that side of things while also being like, yeah, um, we're going to talk about leaks, and we're not going to talk about every leak that comes across my desk, but if there's a, a way that we could talk about stuff and then explain why it's important, why companies are making these decisions, uh, it kind of matches up well with what I do over at GamesBeat. And then, uh, and then yeah, and then just kind of, again, just looking into that branding and people liking it a lot. And yeah. it's been a... It's been fun. Can you explain what the summer game mess is? Is this just like in yeah. the chaos of, you know, summer <laughs> of gaming now trying to have some framework for what the hell is happening? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I started last year and it was clearly I was just, you know, playing on uh, Jeff Keighley's summer game fest. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, poke fun at him. I don't know why Jeff Keighley is just this fun guy to poke at a little bit and he doesn't care. So it's like, you know, it's harmless. Um, and so, yeah, I made a summer game mess. And the whole idea was I have a pretty decent idea of when stuff is happening. And also I am not trying to be 
a marketing partner with any of these companies. So I don't have to get their permission to include them in the summer game mess. Jeff Keeley, IGN, GameSpot, they had to go get permission for these companies. Hey, can we say that you're a part of this? Or, uh, you know, they, and then they have to maintain those partnerships. So they can, if they do get stuff like uh, leaks or something like that, they can't really put it in there because they don't want to upset those companies. Me, that's not a problem for me. I'm a reporter. So it works out just fine where I can maintain this list that I call the summer game mess and people can use it as a resource to f figure out when stuff is happening. And I'll only put stuff on that list if I know it's know for sure it's going to happen. And uh, and yeah, it's it's been a real uh, I think it's been a resource that a lot of people appreciate because it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening so hard since e E3 exploded. It was pretty hard before, but it's way more difficult now that there's just a million shows, a million stuff happening, a million things happening. And uh, a lot of times these companies kind of wait until the last minute before they tell us. And I try to track down that information and let people know here's kind of when you can expect something. Yeah. Janet, how are you doing with trying to track when's when what is coming up this summer? You can break your vow now, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> such a such a difficult task. Um, I am doing okay, but I think it's because it's I feel like summer events now really snowball where it is that slow trickle of the E3 press release, E3 is letting you like sign in. It's hard to sign in for some reason. I don't know why, you know, all these little things, you know, so-and-so's there, who's not there. And then at some point it just becomes, you know, it'll be Tuesday in June and you'll have four appointments all booked at the same time yeah. while something's blowing up on Twitter <laughs> and you do your best, but you, you stuff usually does end up slipping through the cracks. And that is where great, you know, rounds up and resources. And there's so much value from all the content that, you know, we put out and also other people put out just trying to cover all those bases and, and highlight games. It, yeah, I don't know how everybody else is feeling, but it feels to me like a lot of skepticism about, quote unquote, E3 this year. But it certainly feels like the industry is, um, this is the worst analogy, but I have a stupid brain. It feels like we're playing SSX and we're starting to crouch down, getting ready to let go of the X button right over the jump. <laughs> like it feels like the entire industry is like yeah. getting ready to go and just like, Oh, there turns out there is a jump coming up. That is E3. We're actually going to catch some air here, folks. Yep. It, it, it definitely feels, yeah, it, it feels like companies realize that uh, there is value in, okay, there's an economic theory of um, why are all the mattress companies, like uh, the buildings where you go to like buy mattresses in your city, why are they all across the street from one another? And why are all the car dealerships right across the street from one another? Don't they want to kind of separate so they're not competing against the other people right next to them? And it turns out, no, you actually make way more money if you put all of those same businesses in the same part of town. And uh, the same thing I think is, the companies are realizing the same thing with E3 here, where even if you are not going to participate in E3 proper, being at least adjacent and much closer to it is beneficial to you because people are already looking for news. I can look at it in my traffic on, on YouTube and on our site. Anything involving E3, anything involving gaming right now is doing better than it does throughout the rest of the year. People are getting excited about this stuff. And so, yes, I, companies getting into that, that you're right, that, that slope as we're picking up speed to get to E3 proper a lot of companies realize, hey, let's just get in that week right before and we could turn that into a kind of a, a, an unofficial big week. And it's it's felt that way. Today has been a big day of news. Yeah, it's 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 been a lot. Um, we should probably start with the biggest thing so far, which is Horizon Forbidden West, which is a Sony state of play. Uh, it's about 20 minutes of gameplay running on a PlayStation 5 showing off Horizon Forbidden West. We have a reaction video if you want to watch Jeff and I go gaga over that sucker. Um, but yeah, Janet, did you watch it? What was your biggest... High level takeaway from Horizon Forbidden West gameplay reveal. 
Yeah, I think my big so just to preface this, I actually didn't play the first Horizon because it came out during <laughs> Breath of the Wild, and I was just focused on playing that. But um, yeah, I watched along with my chat on Twitch and like talked about you know new things, what we wanted, etc. Um, and my biggest takeaways is that it looked really polished, really detailed, and really alive. Um, it first of all, it's a, it's was freaking beautiful, and I lo- I love all the things that you know were added. You know, I was I was clued in that were added in like the underwater thing. Yeah, being able to breathe. I, what, I think my favorite takeaway from this was like the attention to detail those kind of quality of life things to make it feel less tropey obviously there's still a lot of tropes there like hit a certain spot of this enemy and it goes down but it felt so much more integrated than i think it normally is in games um something like having the focus camera to highlight places where you can climb is such a godsend in a world where i'm really tired of looking at strategically placed vines and knowing i have right. to go up there the glowing so yellow stuff it, yeah yeah, it has that freedom, but then also like it makes it just feel so much more natural. So that, that was really my biggest takeaway. That and the, the soundtrack, um, the, yeah. the big encounter music, slap. It, it was so good. Yeah, um, they did such a good job it. of like slowly building up the music where by the end of that gameplay presentation, it's like, wait, yeah, this soundtrack is really something to look alive for. It feels like the same composer, but I'm curious when they actually dive into more detail about, you know, the actual music of Horizons Forbidden West. But yeah, I think you're totally right. Where it's like, okay, you're still looking for the weak spots, but when you're looking for the weak spot, you know, instead of on a tank, you're looking at the weak spot on a giant thing. And what's it called? Tremor Tusk, which is a robotic woolly mammoth. And like the part that blew me away was just how many different pieces were shuffling yeah. and moving, falling off. I mean, that was amazing on last gen. And now seeing this, even though technically it's going to be a PlayStation 4 version, seeing what they can do on the PlayStation 5, it just looks like, I don't know how they're going to scale this back down because it just everything feels so shuffly. Is that the best word, Jeffum? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, and and that was that was kind of one of the cool things about the combat in the old game is that they are they are weak parts, but they kind of they built each each of the creatures to kind of make sense from a mechanical perspective, and so each of those pieces was kind of a component that made up the you know like how the machine actually moved around, and there there was you know like one of the pieces that she shot off was a gun that would shoot at you when it's on the monster and then when it comes off you can actually kind of use it and stuff so that's that stuff is all you know cool and i i do want to see how they kind of evolve that it certainly looks like it's much more complex and like when they when when she blew off that you know like little log hut on top of the giant elephant mechanic (laughs) robo elephant Uh and it exploded and people went flying like that stuff looks really really impressive and looks looks like the kind of like next gen step that I have been waiting to see and, you know, push me over the edge to buy a PS5 finally. Yeah. Yeah. The faces look good. Um, I don't think I was too blown away by that, but it's like, okay, they're really pushing the expression on the faces. We got some more detail in Aloy's face. You know, it, it's cool to see the next generation there, but it was specifically like the, the enemies, I think in particular, yeah. but yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, like they managed to do really good faces on last gen too. Yeah. And so like that step isn't as big, but certainly the amount of detail that they have in the world, the amount of just, you know, like ambient animation and stuff going on. And then the kind of character movements and stuff like that is, I think where what was making me say like, wow, this, this looks very impressive and also very colorful, which I always appreciate when you can, when you can add more color into an open world uh, environment. It's, and you know it's not it's not just everything is green because you're in a jungle like there's lots of different flowers and stuff that you know looks very pretty yeah it's weird to see her fighting in 
downtown San Francisco or damn close to it, but just looks is smart too. You know, no, <laughs> exactly. But it feels like the start. You know how it is. Yeah, it's hmm. tough out there. Those tremor tusks. But uh, but like those it's rent, the rent is insane out there. Well, that's even why, now. Yeah, that's why those people were attacking her. They didn't want her to move mm-hmm. into the neighborhood and take up another apartment. Um, but yeah, like just seeing that environment it looks so crazy. Like just having, having it, uh, having it be so close to the water, having those old buildings like half submerged in the water. It was a really cool place just to start this demo is to show like, oh, here's something you did not see in the last game. Even though the last game covered a bunch of different environments as well. But, uh, Jeff Grubb, you're a newsman, but what caught you about the gameplay? Anything stand out to you? Uh, yeah, it, it seems like they are really working on the locomotion and making sure that you feel like you don't have to necessarily go get on a mount to immediately like start moving fast again. And that that came down to the grappling hook and um, the, yeah. the link sort of kite thing that she rides. Oh, um, it, both those things work really well for me. And I, I hope that the um, implication there is that you will be using these a lot to explore the world. It's cool that she used them in combat. I, I think that the, but I think the real thing here is you're going to want to be just out in this world, discovering things on your own, which is co- kind of what I wanted from the first game. And I think it did an okay job at that. Not great. I also tried it after breath of the wild and didn't, and, and didn't love it because I was so used to breath of the wild. And I yeah. wanted that open exploration gameplay. Uh, it's, I think they realized that there's an opportunity to build on that here and make it feel very fast, very quick, make you feel very powerful in terms of movement, and that'll be enough. And then you just fill the world with cool stuff, and it's going to be kind of a great game already if you just kind of pair that with what they did in terms of combat and story in the first game. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's not like they're not building on that stuff as well. It looks better than ever. It, it looks gorgeous. The swimming, oh my, I think the swimming looks fantastic. It's um, really impressive what that underwater animation looks like. I, I was kind of blown away by it. Yeah, and it is such a smart choice to have it so that there's not even a breath meter. It's like, as far as we saw, there was no UI when you're underwater. So it's like, okay, yeah. there's a chance the swimming won't suck in this game, which is a, a godsend and pretty rare. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just make it chill. Like it looked, it looked chill. If they make yeah. it chill, it'll work. Yeah, chill when there's giant, you know, robotic crocodile swimming around. Yeah, you. until but, you're fighting things for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. I wonder how much is going to be underneath there, you know? Because yeah. a lot of times when you are in, when you're underwater in a non-underwater game, there's usually two reasons. One, you're in the underwater area, I mean, a Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey style. <laughs> and then two, you're very briefly getting from like one little pool of water to another. And that's how they chose to have you traverse that area, maybe to block some load time. But who am I to say? Right. Those are usually mm-hmm. the two instances. But this feels like the fact that I forgot the name of the device that she has now that lets her breathe underwater the whole time. But the fact that they're letting us be under there for so long, I'm like, well, there has to be a bigger appeal point than just a different way to traverse. Um, obviously, we saw it integrated into enemy encounters but um i'm really curious as to like how deep that underwater world goes uh it actually yeah, reminded yeah. me a lot like the the lushness reminded me of like those old crash bandicoot levels where you're underwater like the submarine style i thought of that instantly and like those are some of my favorite parts of that game so i'm excited for how like vibrant that is it looked like abzu under there which was kind of <laughs> bonkers to see hey you got abzu under there yeah i'm totally with you it's, it's weird how this trailer or the gameplay demo kind of like built up my excitement and reminded me so much of what I loved about that first game. Just simple stuff like, hey, here's some raptors with some feathers and now you get to ride. And it's like, oh my God, that looks great. But as it went on, the part that I kept thinking about was what you're saying, Jeff, of just like, I want to know more about exploration in the game. And the developers, mm-hmm. you know, mentioned it, talked about how exploring is going to be a big part, but that was just the biggest question mark after the first game was like, the fact that that game released the same month as Breath of the Wild and it's like, God, I wish there was more of that DNA in here. And so the fact that they were in pre-production, probably when everybody on that team was playing Breath of the Wild, I was wondering <laughs> how much of that would seep in. 
And then the first time Aloy takes out her shield wing, as she calls it, like just the glider, it's like, yes, yep. I'm so happy that's there. And then to have a little just cause or a little grappling hook in there, which I think they called it the pull caster, but basically grappling hook uh, that she can then transition from being launched off that into the shield wing for the little gliding. It's like, that's it. That's that's a big component of what I was hoping for for this game. So I'm super pumped. Um, let's see. They had Erend in there from the first game. That was the big mission was to rescue this crazy guy. Then they opened up a map and you got to see like the Pacific coastline. It was all janky and different and weird. And so that was part of the ongoing mystery there. I don't know. Do we miss anything else, Jeffum, from the demo that we didn't hit? Uh, not that I know. Yeah. Think of. Do you think, Jeff Grubb, that there will be more people buying this game on PS4 than PS5? Uh, hmm. I think it'll be close, but I think it'll probably be more people. So at launch, probably more on PS4 than PS5. Yeah. But by the second month, um, as people go to buy a PS5, they will be buying games alongside it. And a lot of it will probably still be Mar Marvel Spider-Man. That game, uh, Miles Morales, that's ga that yeah. game's going to sell for a very long time. Uh, but we saw with that game that while it had like lower sales, them spider-man at launch it has seemed to have to have had a longer tail and i think that we can expect something similar for horizon forbidden west where um at launch people might have been like oh i'm gonna wait until i get a ps5 and whoever has a ps5 will buy it uh and then as more people buy the system alongside that they will spend the 70 dollars to get this game uh and i i imagine in you know a few months it'll be significant it will significantly favor the ps5 compared to the ps4 yeah it was interesting like reading the chat uh, during the reaction stream and Jeff and I talked about it a bit as well, but like people were definitely asking like, okay, where's the PS4 footage? And like in a post cyberpunk world now, we just live in this world where it's like, at what point are they required to show that so they do not enrage the internet and mislead everybody? I understand first gameplay reveal, you don't want to open with PS4, but I don't know, what do y'all think? Like at what point does Sony need to be like, and just so you know, here's extended PS4 gameplay, just heads up everybody. I mean, nice. it's, it's, yeah, I think as long as it looks as good as the as uh, Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, I think it'll, it'll be okay, right? It's probably going to run in 30 frames per second and look that good and be, you know, pulled back in a few other areas. But uh, I, I don't know. I think this game is not going to have a cyberpunk situation. It could yeah, still have issues for sure. And maybe like, you know, buggy as they're trying to QA two different games. But I, I think in terms of visual quality, it's going to be just fine. Yeah. Janet, you're in that same camp? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be good enough, but you'll know that it's not what it could be. And if that that oh, might yeah. be too painful for people, is, <laughs> which sounds kind of extreme. But I feel like just from what we saw today and how a lot of like my chat reacted as well, it felt more like a PS5 game than Miles mm. did or looked like when I first saw Miles. I'm like, oh, it is beautiful. But I, I wasn't like this is really taking advantage of the power of the SSD. You know, I wasn't yeah, in that yeah. marketing speak, but seeing everything going on with Horizon, just specifically with like how much is happening at once and how much the environment is destructible and there's so much going on and so much detail, uh, it does feel like a lot of that beauty will get lost in, in a less powerful uh, machine. But yeah, I don't think they're necessarily going to show PS4 footage. Like they might and it would be nice if they did, but historically that's just not how this works. Yeah. It's always PC. You're lucky if it's someone actually playing the game, to be honest. I mean, so, like, there's, you a, know? there's a history to this, right? Like that goes all the way back to um 
like Commodore 64 games would have the Amiga screenshots on the back instead. <laughs> like they were just they were yeah. straight up lying. This goes this is ancient history, and we've done it for, ever since. And so yeah, well, there's a, a lot there. Like to like you put the post photos on the dating bio. You're not just taking a yes. picture on your regular Tuesday. Like yeah. you're uh-huh. gonna bring out the ring light, you know, and like <laughs> yeah. no one would judge you for it. But there is a, a degree of you know you need to have a good and appropriate product. And I, I trust mm-hmm. I, as, as much as people have been burned for, I trust the team to have that. I'd be shocked if it was like, Oh, the PS4 version is unplayable. Um, I don't yeah. think it'll be that extreme, but technically you never know. I just think that's very unlikely. Yeah. You know? Especially with, you know, gorilla designing the engine that this thing is running on. I understand the same applied for CD project red, but maybe, you know, this team has a little more experience with the engine being a little more stable than what CD project red was trying to land that plane with. Um, I was definitely struck by at the end, no release date and people people were speculating like oh maybe they'll save it for like the state of play around the time of e3 if sony does like a big thing coming up soon but then they released this statement on the blog saying we don't have an exact release date yet but development is on track and we'll have an update for you very soon Where's the track going and what day do you think that is? I mean, <laughs> it was like my reaction. Yeah. Like, you know, say 2021 for this game. I know they said 2021 for God of War Ragnarok. Did they ever say 20? I don't know. I think I so. feel like I have, I've dreamed all of these release windows, right? It's like, uh huh. Someone said this, right? It, it, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if anyone I, knows offhand. I think it, I think it was a 2021 window. The internet seems to think that. And so, yeah, I think at some point they did say that. But just the fact that And we can always trust the internet most of the time, except when we can't. (laughs) I trust them fully with my life. Um, But yeah, it it is alarming. Like, for them not to just vaguely confirm 2021, maybe I'm just uh, a stupid pessimist at this point, but the fact that they're silent about that, it's like, I don't think this thing's coming out this year. Do y'all think this is the 2022 game? Like, I would think so. Maybe this is going to be like that March timeframe again, like uh, 2017's was. I, I think that there is uh, some reason to believe that they are uh, playing the wait and see game. Uh, Sony does that a lot uh, with a lot of things. I think that they're now kind of applying that to release dates. Uh, I bet Horizon Forbidden West does release this holiday, but I think they're like, well, let's wait and see when Nintendo's releasing Zelda Breath of the Wild mm. 2, mm. and let's let's wait and see if there's any other games that come out this holiday that you know we should be worried about. Maybe move things around. Maybe complementary games that we can kind of you know fit between from our third party partners, and they don't know when they're going to release games because no one's sure, and no one wants to commit to anything. Yeah, I, I think it's just kind of playing this stuff closer to the vest than ever before, and. Also, we've seen that there's not a lot of um, you don't get punished if you hold your release date for a very long time. Nintendo announces release dates, what, two months? They announce games two months before releasing them now. And it's and ready now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, shadow drops even. Yeah, but but like we get games from them that are relatively big. They say, hey, it's coming out in two months and those games sell three to 11 million copies, 15 million copies in, in some cases. So it's not like they, w- they have uh, been seeing repercussions from holding that back. People are just fine, like pre-ordering in that two month window as they would have been over a nine to like 18 month window. So I, I think this is just Sony playing it close to the best. Yeah, that that could be another one of those kind of cyberpunk lessons that everyone learns of like, there's there's just no point in in announcing a release date and then having to push it back, especially if you have to end yeah. up pushing it back multiple times, there's no yeah. point in lighting that fuse and then having to work under that pressure. And then you have, you're going to get accused of making everyone crunch to finish it. And it, a, a game like, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn is going to sell just based on the previous one. So you, 
people are going to be happy whenever whenever it's going to come out. And if 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 you do end up having to push it out of 2021, all the better for not having, you know, explicitly promised that it was going to come out at that point. So yeah. if if they have any doubt or any reason to to question when they should release it anyway, then it's better to just not say. Yeah. And as far I, as I, real quick, I checked the trailer from the uh, PlayStation five event back in you know, almost a year ago. So like, yeah, like last June ish. Uh, and it didn't have a release date on it. So, okay. uh, so yeah, I, I don't know like not even a year. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe 2022. I don't know. Yeah. And so they said 2021 for God of war, but that was pre pandemic. Yes. Or at least, yes, okay. Was. And so it seems like they've been radio silent on that one for long enough that it seems like the collective wisdom is, okay, That's that can't be coming this year, right? Yeah. Was it pre-pandemic? No, I'm not, I can't remember. But yeah, either the way, they did say 2021 for God of War, though. It yeah. was a pre-pandemic? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't, I've lost track. <laughs> yeah, what did, you, uh, what did you make of that thing, Jeff Grubb? Did you see that where Sony released that, you know, presentation of a bunch of different interesting facts about, you know, the evolution of the PlayStation, where we're yeah. at now and all that fun stuff. And then in that presentation, they called it God of War Ragnarok, which they had yeah. never officially slapped a label on it before. Uh, and this is, you know, the internet reading the tea leaves, but they're pretty obvious tea leaves because then once that got out there, then Corey Barlog tweeted out uh, the picture of Picard with his head in his hands. And so people <laughs> are connecting like, okay, Sony just accidentally revealed the name for the game that everybody assumed was called Ragnarok, but hadn't been confirmed yet. Yeah, that's kind of, I was just like, yeah, this seems... It, like I, my headline for that was like the God of War Ragnarok's name is God of War Ragnarok or something <laughs> like that. It's like, like, yeah, we, it's kind of, we everyone knew this, but uh, there's definitely something there where it's like the person putting together this presentation just go used Google image search search and found this. Yes. But that, that Google image uh, search found something that used the, the same style treatment that Sony used for Ragnarok when they first announced it. I, I won't be surprised at all if this is just exactly what the title screen looks like when we finally see it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think like I saw Imran Khan out there, uh, like yeah. piecing together, like, oh my God, they were just pulling all these assets yeah. just from Google search. Well, well, of course, it's just a marketing yeah, person, it, right? They're, like, they're just mar they're like, it's marketing and analytics people inside these companies putting these together. And they're 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 not going to go bother someone and try to get like, can I get art for this thing I'm putting together? And first of all, no, you can't. So you just put it in Google. And they, they have just like, a, I'm sure they just have like a bullet pointed list saying, this is the stuff we're putting in there. Can you please present it in an infographic way? And right, this right. Is what happens. Uh, what is going on with the Microsoft plus Bethesda press conference, uh, Jeff yeah. Grubbs, since you're the master of all upcoming events? Uh, they confirmed the date for that thing, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 10 a.m. on Sunday, June 13th. Um, yeah, it's going to be – it's 90 minutes. It's going to be uh, both those companies coming together. Uh, at first, they were planning to kind of have – an Xbox event and a Bethesda event. I'll tell you that the reason they decided against that is Bethesda was like, hey, you own us now. Please don't make us hold our own show because we want to like only talk about the stuff we're ready to talk about. We, mm. we would much rather just hold off everything else that we would put in a show if we were on our own to try to fill that out. Right. We're going to keep that over here and hide it and just focus on the games that are ready. And that's going to be uh, it's going to Starfield, obviously. I mean, we saw in that logo, like they confirmed it. Basically, Starfield's going to be in this thing. Uh, but th there should be a surprise from Bethesda. Uh, but it, it won't be like 45 minutes of Bethesda and 45 minutes of Xbox. It's going to be mostly Xbox and third party stuff and then a couple games from, from, from Bethesda. But I, I'm I'm like trying to set my expectations for this event at a point where it's like it's going to be probably pretty solid, but it's it's not going to measure up to 
the great E3 presentations of the past, at least in yeah. my opinion. Um, stuff like PlayStation 2015 and 2016, it's not going to be like that, but it's going to be pretty solid, I think. You said you, that uh, Bethesda has one surprise that you're, you're speculating, or do you know of some surprise that's no. happening? No, it's 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 one. And I mean, I'll, like I'll say the name because it's out there. It's it's that Project Omen that people have uh, kind of talked about a little bit. Um, it's from Arcane Austin, and oh, yeah, cool. it, but it's but there's. I mean, honestly, anything else I would tell you would be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna get start getting ideas in my head, and it's not worth it. We're gonna see the trailer in a little bit, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm excited to see that game at the very least. Yeah, oh, I don't think I'd ever heard of that, and that's basically yeah, all we know is just it's on like. You see on like some people talk about on like reset era and things like that. So yeah, it, it's out there. But yeah, that that's the other game. Okay, sweet. Yeah, it's really crazy that they actually are just calling it Microsoft and Bethesda press conference. You yeah. know, like super if, catchy. Well, I just wonder how long <laughs> that'll maintain. Is that just going to be the Microsoft E three press conference moving forward, or is it just to kind of like ease us into this new era? Because at this point, well, you should say like Microsoft and Bethesda and Double Fine and In Exiles in there too. I think a part of that is um, Bethesda is such a big name that yeah. it is like Disney Plus, where you go, you open up Disney Plus and you see verticals for National Geographic and Star Wars and, uh, and all, all this other, you know, Pixar and stuff has its own category. Right, those right. brand names have such, uh, uh, like, they have fans of those brands. And uh, it makes Disney Plus feel more valuable so that when they raise the price, you're okay with it. Uh, you're already paying a pretty steep price for Xbox uh, Game Pass. Uh, and seeing Xbox and Bethesda in there mentally helps you get over the hump, uh, hump of saying, well, I'm going to keep my subscription because it, it's Xbox and Bethesda like right. that. I got, I'm getting double the games or whatever. So I think it's important for them to maintain that as part of selling this, this service to people. Yeah. yeah also, all that money you spent, I'd be saying Bethesda every single yeah. day. If I spend <laughs> yeah. that money You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Todd Howard. Yeah, the ink just dried on that deal. So. You gotta flaunt mm -hmm. it at least a little bit yeah, longer. Yeah, they said I, you can't buy this new. Like, are you serious? You know, it's a deal. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. let's see, Janet. Out of all the other announcements today, which caught your eye the most? Like, of in in out in the world of gaming? Yeah, let's see. Like, if you had to choose between like Dying Light Two, the Sonic Chain, the Sonic Hip Hop Chain. <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> this freaking it was Sonic really thing. shocking. I first. I don't, um, I regret to inform you that is my real answer because I saw, um, I actually caught the Sonic event a little bit late. So I watched it like right after it ended and just like rewatched it in my own time. And I saw on Twitter, like all these screenshots and I'm like, this can't be real. Like two boy in hospital, these chains. And then I watched it. I was like, it's all real. <laughs> like it's all actually <laughs> happening. And yeah, those chains don't look very good. But then I looked at all, I looked at the jeweler further. I'm like, what else do this, this jeweler do? And I regret to inform you that those chains are one of the best looking things they've ever made. <laughs> the other chains are really ugly. Okay. Yeah. So they had what they it. called Sonic Central, uh, which is in honor of yeah. Sonic's 30th anniversary. And fans were really getting hyped up. And it was kind of a series of that level of announcement of like, hey, here's these uh, chains. And then we got, you know, like you mentioned, they're putting Sonic and Tails and Knuckles into two-point hospitals. Like, it's just like your doctor is Sonic. It's just, <laughs> it really it makes me want to play the game. It's so it's, uh, good. It, I feel like they're so aware of how meme Sonic yes. is. Mm -hmm. They're like, what if we just start giving people Sonic costumes in these games? Yeah, like, just let I mean, you there, there's a Sonic, a, a man in a Sonic costume in the Olympics game from Sega. <laughs> like, and, and that, I mean, I feel like people will hear that. If you haven't seen the screenshots and you hear me say that, like, Jeff is, is exaggerating. That's not what it is. No, it is a man in a Sonic costume. And then that <laughs> man Sonic in a Sonic costume, yes, is participating <laughs> in Olympic sports. 
It is incredible. It is everything I've ever wanted. And so it's not Sonic and Mario at the Olympics. This is the official Sega Olympics Tokyo 2020 game releasing in 2021, just to confuse everybody. <laughs> and it's just a man basically in a mascot outfit. So it's going to be really yeah. funny to see him like in the 100 meter dash or whatever. And it's just going to be me mashing buttons. It's like if all of us of raced, but Ben Hansen was wearing a Sonic costume. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yes. And we just and treated it as seriously as we would. He and he's doing judo, right? Yeah, and yeah. The shot put. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> uh, they also said that Sonic the Fighters, the old uh, classic arcade fighting game, is going to be in Lost Judgment, which is going to be funky. And then they like tease that Sonic's coming to Minecraft. Uh, Sonic Colors remaster is coming out. And then they teased, well, they mentioned the Sonic Prime Netflix show, which I'd forgotten was coming from like the Ben 10 creators. Then they also teased that in 2022, we're going to get the next big Sonic game. And then it seems like some art assets and file names leaked later that seem to hint that it's called Sonic Rangers. That's all we really know about that. And there's a quick shot of Sonic running through a jungle. So if you're excited about that, hat off to you. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. Let's see, uh, Dying Light 2 also had <laughs> news packed in today because today won't stop. Um, this is now officially called Dying Light 2 Stay Human which is a bizarre name, but here we go. This is a Techland sequel to the 2015 game. It's in my mind. I, I keep thinking like, Oh, they announced this a long time ago. This is like a long trouble development, but I think some of these things just get blurred together. And like the Techland mm -hmm. history has combined this with dead Island two a little bit. My brain. Uh, you, you're not wrong though. It, you are like, it's easy to conflate those things, but you're not wrong. This game also has troubled development. Like it's, it goes back like the, one of the writers got, uh, got, canceled uh, oh, for big some time. pretty heinous stuff yeah uh but there's like stuff that goes beyond that um yeah th this game is seemed like it was in trouble but they also came out earlier this year and like it's still coming out this year and trying to be reassuring and i wasn't reassured and I, I think i'm a little bit more reassured at this point uh the game looks good yeah but they are making big ambitious promises about the way the world works and the choices you're going to make and i just don't know if that if they're going to be, be able to deliver on that um but I like Dying Light 1 a lot. I think this, you know, I'm going to try this. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, so they confirmed December 7th for the release date for this thing. But yeah, it, it does look good. It open world, parkour, uh, dangerous world at night. Everything gets a thousand times scarier. And it's a lot about factions this time around, like human factions and big decisions that can make or break the world is kind of the original mm -hmm. pitch. And it seems like they're sticking with it. Um, Jeff, are you excited for Dying Light 2? Yeah, I am. I'm, I think I'm in pretty much the same camp as Jeff, other Jeff. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the first one. Like the, the parkour <laughs> was was really good or, you know, I, I enjoyed that aspect of kind of being in an open world zombie game where you're not just kind of running around on the ground the entire time. Um, and the the combat looks cool in this next one. And, you know, if if they can deliver on everything that they've been talking about, then I'm sure it will be a fun game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm also skeptical about how much of yeah. that, you know, is actually going to come through in the actual gameplay and, or if it's just an, okay, here's an AB choice. And then we're just going to change this big landmark in the world. And there you go. Right, so the flags are going to change colors. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but we'll see. Yeah. The first game is one of those things that, has secretly been been a juggernaut. Like they released a number yes. saying that 17 million people play Dying Light One. Is my I mean not, not to like it's hard to really gauge this because like maybe Horizon Forbidden West and that state of play had a lot more co-streamers. It's 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 hard to do an apples to apples comparison. But there were like 200,000 people watching 
uh, the Dying Light 2 thing on Twitch, yeah. on the official stream, and the official Sony stream for Horizon Forbidden West had like 50,000, 60,000, maybe a little bit more at, at, at its peak. Oh, so it's like, you know, I mean, at the very least, uh, Dying Light 2 has a very intense audience that is that wants to see what this game is and wants to play more Dying Light. So, yeah. And it's always one of those games that's like on the uh, Steam most played chart. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to try to capitalize on that. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It's What's just, scary is how quickly that can turn, though. And I mean, like when I think yes. of and this is like the day of continuing franchises I never started to begin with. So, uh -huh. hello. Um, <laughs> Dying Light 2, I didn't play Dying Light 1, but uh, I am interested in this one. I enjoyed what I saw. At the same time, seeing this and then watching the Horizon uh, reveal, I was like, oh, this is the difference between being like, oh, OK, and being like, ooh, you know, and I, I did feel that shift compared to like how I reacted. Yeah. But the other thing is like what the the development and the community based on how the develop like when when they put out that video that was like, I don't know if you all saw this, but the video where the developers were like straight to cam yep. reading hate comments they got and then being like, we're really sorry. We're working on it. And they, these were like straight up hate comments, like people in their community being like, where the F is dying light to, you know, like angry, like yeah. really angry. And it was just like a really odd and uncomfortable video. And not to mention like, you know, Kirk over at the gamers reporting on like some of the internal stuff going on at the studio that can be problem. Like there's a lot of like charged energy that's sort of waiting to burst in a way that could be very negative. So I think the scariest thing about Dying Light 2 is how Dying Light 2 is going to be received. So that's what I'm most horrified mm -hmm. more than what happens when the lights go out at night or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's stressful. I feel secondhand stress yeah. for that whole thing. And I, I hope it turns out well. And, you know, overall that the developers have a healthy, you know, work life and, and aren't harassed and things. But unfortunately, I have a really bad feeling that this could turn really ugly. And I think they're also very aware of that, which is why they opened with like, you know, things are crazy like it is for us in the world. Like, please be nice. You know, it, it felt very they it felt very aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we'll see December 7th. Uh, looking forward to the, checking that thing out um, overnight then for the big conclusion i think of today's news unless jeff if you see that switch pro news come across your desk at any point you can just start shrieking it's yes. allowed <laughs> well, i'll let you know yes okay thank I, you. I, I or you think can it's, just it's... say hello like <laughs> no you have to shriek like <laughs> no, a banshee i'm gonna scream Please. i'm gonna scream yeah uh, i i think it's still a bit too early i think it's gonna happen uh in in the early evening if it happens today okay uh, you know it's no sleep it, yeah it, it is like 5 a.m right now in, in tokyo or something like that they'll, they'll do it a little you know they do most of their announcements, when they do them in the evening, it is around like 7, 8 p.m. Mm. Uh, Eastern time, maybe even a little bit later than that. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, right. But it's probably not going to happen in the next like 15 minutes. Or okay, thank like God. Um, but anyways, yeah, so overnight, last night, or maybe in the morning, I forget when it was exactly, but uh, the big Dragon Quest stream for Dragon Quest 35th anniversary, just to one-up Sonic in a thousand different ways. Uh, and they announced Dragon Quest Twelve called The Flames of Fate. And this one has a very metal look, Jeffem. Did you see any of this, Jeffem? No. It's like uh, they say, what they're messaging right now is like, okay, it's still like a command-based battle system, but this one's going to be a little darker. This one's Dragon Quest for the parents in the room <laughs> type of thing, which is kind of funny because like I love Dragon Quest Eleven, but like it, it's, when I think Dragon Quest Eleven, I think very, you know, pastel colors and stuff. And so it is going to be an interesting transition for them to try and take a different look with like the Toriyama art. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the darkest Toriyama art that's ever been. It's not, it's like a, I don't know that 
Future and Chrono Trigger was pretty solemn, but I don't know what that would even look like. But uh, I'm excited for that. And then, Janet, did you see the remake of Dragon Quest Three that they're doing? Uh, no, I actually didn't catch that. So it's like, um, it looks like Octopath Traveler. So they're taking like the sprites and stuff and remaking Dragon Quest Three, except they're calling it HD 2D, which yeah. is awesome to see more studios kind of go in that vein of an Octopath Traveler and. I think now everyone's just clamoring for like, okay, do it for Chrono Trigger, do it for all these other games, because it seems like a really cool way to kind of bring these old 2D sprite-based games to life. Uh, Jeff Grubb, did you catch any of that? Are you a Dragon Quest guy at all? Uh, I, I'm not, but I did watch it. Uh, my my coworker Mike Minotti, is a big Dragon Quest guy. Just recently, he he started playing through all of them in like the last year, and now he's very much into them all. Uh, but yeah, that 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 2D HD stuff that that Square Enix does. Um, I am glad that that has turned into a, a like brand unto itself where they can just apply that wherever they need. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get project triangle strategy, geometry, right. whatever it is. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we'll get uh dragon quest three remade. This, this is, that's a great idea. It's a great way to do this. And, um, you know, the, dra- the early Dragon Quest games are the kinds of things where they could really implement this and uh, get a lot of traction, get a lot of excitement. Whereas if they would have, just released those in a compilation or did like a like light sprucing up it wouldn't move the needle too much over here but adding this art really should and it's i think it's it's, it's very exciting I, I think it looks great um i love the way those games look so yeah you think uh, about I think that's wonderful for sure like the reaction for this versus you know like the remake of secret of mana where it's like realistically right. this is how much of a budget we can apply to this project and then it comes out and everyone's mm-hmm. like oh boy i don't know about this whereas this it's like it's your childhood it just has depth of field now. Enjoy, everybody. Everybody's on board. Yep. But, but yeah, looking forward to more of that. But I don't think they released or announced a release date for Dragon Quest Twelve or, or anything like that. But I'll keep my eye on it. Um, is that it? Is that all the news from today? Did we hit the big beats? Um, I'm sure we're forgetting something, but I can't yeah. think of anything. All right. Uh, Jeff Grubb, thank you for being on this bonus episode of the podcast, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if people want to follow your work or you know, follow your amazing roundup of all things summer game reveals. Where should they go? Yeah, it's uh, Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm I'm a tough follow. I tweet too much, so just consider that. Yeah. But I have a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Discord, and I, I am much more chill there. Uh, but I did actually just have to, like, close all my Discord links because we've got a bunch of bots in there earlier today. Uh, I, I In my bio on Twitter, I'm going to add a new link. Uh, click on there and and if you do that you'll find the the list the game mess list there's a channel dedicated to that and you can also subscribe to that and it'll get updated in your own discords if you would like choose to do that um and it's the best way to keep up and keep track and then i on weekly i try to put that list on twitter uh and i talk about it on the game Mess show on on youtube on tuesday mornings um so yeah that's the best way to keep up with me cool that sounds great uh janet anything you want to plug anything coming up for you He's so many. I feel like not yet, but probably really soon because E3. Uh, other than that, tomorrow I am streaming Biomutant for Best of 2021 Watch. So we'll see if it's good or not. I have not played it yet. Yeah, and that's going to be on twitch.tv slash Game Onesis. That's Game O N Y S U S. Also, my handle on literally everything Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, uh, uh, Patreon, like everything. Sweet. So, yeah. um, and we're coming up on the end of the month. So if you're watching this or listening to this and you would like to support us on Patreon at the $50 tier, uh, we will record a custom thank you video. Jeff will sing any song you request. Uh, you can right. also get your name in the 
read at the end of every episode of the MinMax show, or if you support us at that $100 tier on Patreon, you can put any image you want on the wall of heroes rotating on every MinMax video. So put a picture of your pet, uh, your passion project, Twitch channel, podcast, company, anything like that. So clock is ticking if you want to jump in and lock that in throughout the entire month of June. But until then, thank you to the following Patreon supporters for their generous support of Inmax at the $50 tier. I'm talking about Fixture Gaming, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, I'm 8-Bit, Rainmaker.gg, Mirko Rico Torreno, Zachary Pliggy, Beaten Down Brian, Andrew Ukrowitz, Jawar Hello, Real AFTV. By the way, I like reading these, Jeff, and then watching you, because every once in a while you just give like a slight nod, like a polite, ah. a polite <laughs> bow. Uh, Mark Seliga, Ludwig Roque, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Andrew Valla, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spider-Dan, Pritham Yar Legata, Clayton Myers, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Jesse Vitelli, and Slick Nick. Thank you so much for jumping in. Jeff, thank you for joining us, sir. Absolutely. All right, and we'll see you next time. Be good, have fun, let's go. Let's go.